This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome. My name is Matt Wilson. Thank you for joining us for episode 29 of the Fire Dog Podcast. We're excited to be back in action and we're excited that you're joining us for the first episode of season two. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to remind everybody that we now have a website. The website is firedog.us, and it will act as the new hub for all episodes. The site also has a blog that will feature articles and commentary from people across the fire service. So make sure to check out the site, save it to your favorites, and if you're interested in contributing to the blog, click Contribute at the top of the page. Our guests today are leaders in Females in Fire, Air Force Fire and Emergency Services Working Group. They work hand-in-hand with Air Force Fire Service leadership in advancing equal opportunity initiatives within the career field. In September of 2020, they hosted three seminars in which they invited females from across the career field to discuss their experiences and develop ideas on how they can better accomplish the mission and grow as an organization. It is my pleasure to welcome Tiana Baikowski and Darla Shaw. Welcome, ladies. Uh, thanks again for agreeing to come on and talk about this initiative that you're part of and that you embarked on within the past year. It sounds pretty interesting to me, and I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, but before we get into it, let's have each of you introduce yourselves. You know, Tell us where you work, what positions you hold. Darla, you can start. I uh, have been in about 15 years. Right now, I'm stationed at Svengalem. I'm the AC of training. Uh, I'm also working ops because of COVID schedule, but uh, my designated position is the assistant chief of training. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Tiana? So I'm Tiana Baikowski. I am out of Hill Air Force Base. I am a DOD civilian. Um, I did four years active duty down at Luke Air Force Base, and then from there, uh, Got out of the military so that my husband could stay in. He's EOD. I know. Don't judge me. Um, But uh, I got out and got a DOD civilian job up at Hill. I have been operations. I came up through there. And then as soon as I got pregnant, moved over over to prevention, where I'm currently at right now, with the plan to go back to ops once my husband retires. So that's where I'm at. Cool. All right. So I understand that uh, each of you is members of Females in Fire, which is a working group. And you guys hosted a seminar back in September, if my memory serves me right, uh, with the intent of networking with other females, uh, talking about each other's experiences, kind of gaining a better understanding of, of what each of you goes through. And so I was wondering if you can tell me a little bit about the working group and you know what initiated it. So Chief Morris and uh, Chief Wagner... They decided, as the rest of the Air Force has, to start focusing on inclusion and and looking at different problems that we have. Sent out a survey, um, sent out an email looking for volunteers, and Ms. Baikowski, myself, and uh, Master Sergeant Espinoza volunteered to help be part of this working group. It was basically... um... Headquarters Air Force directed down that they wanted to see what's going on within um, all the career fields, but mm-hmm. specifically those that are more dominated by males. Uh, and mm-hmm. Chief Wagner and Chief Morris reached out to the career field asking if anybody wanted input or wanted to be a part of it. Uh, we all jumped in, the three of us, um, Master Sergeant Espinosa, myself, and Master Sergeant Shaw, jumped in on it thinking this is a great opportunity Um, One of the things we did find out, and I think it's kind of interesting, Chief Morris Mm -hmm. is married to a female who was 
um, active duty firefighter and she got out. So I think uh, I play hockey. So I use a lot of hockey lingo, but I think she was chirping in his ear a little bit like, Hey, there's a reason that (laughs) I got out. There's probably more people like us that want to Mm -hmm. figure out what, what's a better way to, to get women involved. Yeah. And at the very least it, you know, at least you're giving people an opportunity to, even if there isn't a problem, at least we're given an opportunity to figure out whether or not there is a problem. So I, you know, I like that they um, initiated that just to get the conversation going at the very One least. One of the things um, that they did is CE in general was kind of, I don't want to say they were behind, but fire was the first one within civil engineering that stepped up and said, we're going to figure out what's going on here. And I think that is commendable to say the least. Yeah, certainly. And I, I do have a question later about, what career fields you collaborated with, or if you did, uh, I don't want to get too much into that now, but I, I understand that there was a survey, right? And I may have seen it. I just can't really remember. Can you guys share what the results of the survey were? Or do you have that information? Was there notice, noticeable concerns with them? So the survey went out to the entire career field, not just the female firefighters. So may or may not have seen it. Um, like all surveys, sure it was a, a fairly low response rate, but uh, it was actually quite a few people responded and there were quite a few female firefighters that responded. We tried to get the word out via, we have a a Microsoft Teams group as well as a Facebook page. Um, So we tried to push out that participation and the chance to have your voice heard. Um, I know Tiana will touch on some of the stuff that the results we got back. Um, There were a lot of issues brought up that they didn't feel like they belong. Female firefighters didn't feel like they belong. They didn't feel like they were welcome, that they didn't want to hang out um, much longer because they didn't feel like they were welcome. They were also good, good sides of it. They said that like, Hey, we do feel appreciated. Um, Valued. There were quite a few responses that have said like, Hey, I don't see any difference between being a female or being a male in the career field. Um, But the big, big thing that we got back was um, being a a parent or being a mother or getting pregnant while you're in the fire department. And Tiana can kind of expand on that a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting. So we had 286 females that are in um, the fire career field right now. And of that, we received about 50 responses back from the females Uh, and it was it's not terrible, no, right? I, we were very happy with the fact that people engaged, you know, but um, no, we had a really great feedback and um, we did receive some and I, and I know Chief Morris received a direct email about some that have had um, some sexual harassment issues. So of course that was mm-hmm. a question that was being brought up and the intent wasn't to focus on that because we don't feel Fire is different than any other career field in the Air Force. There's no higher amount of sexual harassment in fire, but it's still a climate that's being recognized by the Air Force in general. What about the seminar in September? I understand it was three days and I actually had a troop back then who had attended it and she she gave me some insight into it, which was pretty eye opening for me. But I'm wondering how it went from your guys' perspective. You know, is there concerns I think there was really great dialogue. And I, to me, I think that was the most important part was making sure that we had the females able to communicate and realize that my story 
may not be different than somebody else's that's in Germany. Um, we are a vast network of females. However, we are not networked together. And so to me, doing the summit that we did, it, it started making other females realize that I'm not alone. There, I may only see one at my department or none. Some of them, I mean, they have no other females that are with them. But I see others now and I can talk to others now or I have a Facebook group now that I can reach out to. And that, I think, was the overarching positive that came out of it. What concerns were brought forward? Like, is there, are there actionable steps that you guys put in place to fix anything? Or like, what's the... I, I was going to ask you kind of what the plan is moving forward, but I first want to understand like if there's a problem or not necessarily a problem, but if there's things that we can do better, you know, what, I guess, what are the highlights or what kind of things can we do better? What, what is everybody, what were all the females saying, if that makes sense? So we got the gamut of feedback, everything from stuff as serious as sexual harassment all the way to, Hey, our downtime gear really sucks. Um, and it doesn't fit worth a dang. Yeah. Our PPE right. doesn't fit worth a darn. Our uniforms aren't made for females because the Air Force, normal Air Force uniforms have female sizes. But now that we are in these um, OCPs, they are not made for female sizes. Civilian uniforms, they have female sizes, but sometimes logistics just orders all male sizes because it's easier. Same with um, PPE or bunker gear. Ricochet has female sizes, but oftentimes we either aren't sized properly or they just order a bunch of gear and different sizes and we're sort of fit. Um, or logistics doesn't know that there are female sizes because, it, again, there aren't a lot of us in the career field. So the tech sergeant that's in logistics may not realize that, hey, you know, there's some, uh, there's some female sizes we can check. Yeah, it's not something you really think about necessarily. So and that's the big thing is we don't we're not going into this as the man bashing session as some of the feedback came back. Uh, saying we were doing, we just want to know what um, what issues there are, and then we want to f um, share those issues with the entire career field and the leadership. Things as small as a changing table in the fire station. I don't expect single male airmen or single female airmen to realize that hey, a changing table in the fire station would be a great idea. I didn't know that that was a problem until I was a station chief, and a, the issue was brought to me about where this guy was changing his child when his family came to visit the station. So it's an education piece. You don't know what you don't know. So we then that's the sort of stuff that we're pushing out, the things like changing tables, places for mothers to breastfeed in the fire station if needed. Um, uniform changes, those are, uh, and I can talk a little bit about that in a minute. That's some of our actionable items is the uniform PPE fit um, and hair standards as well. We, we were changing our hair standards before the Air Force changed their hand, hair standards. So. Mm -hmm. so we're ahead of the curve a little bit. Yes. So I definitely think that um, for, for the females, we did not want a man bashing session. And Darla's right. Like that was not the intent, I think. And just I've been around the Air Force for many years. I joined in 2004, but I was a civilian firefighter before I joined in 2004. So. This has been something I've seen. And I really think it just comes down to, like Darla said, 
um, an education piece. People, mm-hmm. it, it's as a female, we don't want to be seen as different. We don't want to be treated different. We want to be treated right. the same as everyone else. However, we do have different um, things that happen naturally that make us different. We sure. just want to be able to explain to our supervisors, the guys on the truck with us, and anybody that's around us to say, hey, these are how we need to confront these issues. Um, it may be a little different than Airman Snuffy over here, uh, but be a little sensitive to that or understanding of that. And although it may have to change the way a supervisor reacts or or takes upon a certain circumstance, we don't want to change the atmosphere. We want to progress the atmosphere. Yeah. And at the very least, it gives females a voice, right? Because it, I might have a really good relationship with my female subordinate where, you know, we can talk and we have good feedback sessions and all of that, but she may not be comfortable to tell me like my structural gear doesn't fit me right. My downtime gear doesn't really fit me right. It's hard to put my helmet on with a ponytail or whatever. Well, shoot. One of the things that I noticed is guys that I work with, men that I work with feel uncomfortable sizing me and that's okay. Yeah, that's like I totally thinking. understand that you don't want to be put in a position where, gosh, I could say I was touched inappropriately when you're fitting me for gear. But if that's the case, let's acknowledge it. Let's have that awkward conversation and we can have somebody else in the room. So that was one thing that uh, Sergeant Espinoza is really heading up is the education piece. Um, She was actually a guest speaker at the AFIT 427 course um, and talked to that group about Um, A little bit about our initiatives and a little bit about the data we got from the survey. But the big thing was the um, education piece and the being comfortable having these conversations. This doesn't just go for females. This is knowing your people and being okay as a supervisor to say, hey, what is going on in your life? What is going on here? What what are you comfortable with? What aren't you comfortable with? Acknowledging that your troop might not be comfortable with you, so trying to find somebody else for them to talk to, that sort of thing. So she's she's been working on that kind of curriculum, the the being a a better leader um, as as our fire focusing on our, our fire officers and above that right. first line supervisor being comfortable going to that female airman and asking about her hair or her bunker gear or whatever, you know. Right. One hundred percent, and I think. The platform we used, which was, it was a great platform. Chief Morris and Chief Wagner came in for the first 10 minutes or so just to introduce what we were doing, what their plan Mm -hmm. is, why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it was all females. So to say that it was a safe space where some women could tell their experience or their story, Mm -hmm. and they've never been able to share that before, even to, if they wanted to file an EEO or an MEO or an EEO complaint, they, they don't want to do that. They don't want to, but they want to be able to share those experiences. And I think there was a big difference between some people felt a safe space to do that. That wasn't really the intent, but now they know there are options. We have people that will reach out to you and talk to you about those things. And just as you're talking, it made me realize like it's important to talk to people who are like you, right? About issues yeah. that each of you kind of experience. Like, oh, you go through that too, you know? And so, uh, do you guys do you guys have plans to do this again or to open open the doors again to a seminar like that? 
Yeah, our next seminar is going to be in April, tentatively, um, and we're working on getting the agenda set up for that. And I think that was part of the the first uh, one we did. A lot of people didn't really understand what the purpose of this gathering was. A lot of people came into it thinking it was going to be like a leadership there. Somebody's going to come in and teach me something. Um, and it was more of a networking piece. So I think that might have been part of the feedback. And that's part of the feedback that we we looked at. So we're going to take the the one in April, we're going to come up with a, an agenda and send it out and make sure everybody's aware of what's going on. And then if they want to join, they're more than welcome to. We want to try and make it because there is a female in fire, a women in fire civilian group that is already established. And that's kind of what we're going off of is they have a really good communication across the United States and in Canada. So we want to make sure that they know, hey, Department of Defense, we're a little different. We, we want to make sure that it includes our culture that's here. But part of it is education, whether that's training, you know, talking about certain um, drills that you could be do- doing better as a female because our body sizes are differently or different or muscle mass is different. And then also give the networking part of it. So we're trying to do it quarterly. That's the plan is to do one of these seminars every quarter and then highlighting a different topic, whether one is going to do a leadership education piece or one is going to do a training education piece. Um, one is just going to be a network session and, and letting people know that each one of those is going to be available. If they want to join in, that's how they're going to be able to, to get into those classes or not classes, the seminars. This isn't just for females. This initiative helps females and builds females, but we have so many male firefighters that are reaching out to us and saying, what can I do to be better? You know? Uh, And so we want to make sure that they're included in this as well. So we talked a little bit about what's next. Um, You know, there's some concerns that were identified, you know, some of them worse than others or, and some of them, you know, seemingly easy or or small concerns, but so what's next uh, beyond the quarterly seminars uh, is the working group, is FES leadership, um, are they doing anything to address these issues? 100%. So uh, we've already addressed the hair issue. That was, we kind of came up with our top nine. The big issues that came out of the summit, and of those top nine, what can we nail quickly? What are the ones that we can just scratch off real quick that are easy ones? Um, the hair standard which came out Air Force-wide, so it made it a little bit easier. Uh, but the rewrite of um, 32-2001, we're going to be incorporating a lot of the new hair standards in that. And uh, that's for military and civilian. Mass Sergeant Espinoza is working the uniform issue, so she's reaching out to DLA to make sure that they understand sizing and how uh, the females need to be incorporated in this. Another one is... Um, the big one that we heard from a lot of people now. And I, I don't want to make this sound as a bad thing. It's just a choice. It's a personal choice that everybody's having um, as a leader in the air force. But as of September, when we did our summit, we had six master sergeants that were female, three tech sergeants that were female. And which is obviously going the wrong direction. You want to have, smaller amounts of higher leadership and greater amounts in the lower leadership position Mm -hmm. because that means you're going to be building 
right, right. to the higher standards. Well, uh, of those six in September, when we, when we asked the question of the six military masters, mm-hmm. um, we knew of five of them that didn't have families that didn't have children. Um, I didn't know about the sixth one, but I knew five for sure that did not, whether that was because they chose not to, because they wanted to pursue their career. I don't know the reasoning. We just know that five out of the six did not have children. And that to me as a civilian who got out of the military to have children, um, it, that to me was eye opening. And one of the big things that I'm like, why should we have to choose between career versus family. It's not a choice that our male firefighters have to make, or at least it's not weighed as heavy for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started bringing up childcare issues and this is across the board. We have single male firefighters that are having childcare issues, female firefighters that are having childcare issues. And let's be honest, when you work with somebody you tend to have a better relationship with them. So we have a lot of firefighters that are married to firefighters. Mm-hmm. So now they're on opposite shifts to take care of family. It's just something that we brought up. And that was a, the big one that's kind of headed up a lot of the discussions we're having as well is what are we doing about childcare? That's a tough one. <laughs> it's complicated, you know? Yeah. So that one's not, that's on our big list, but it's definitely not one of the easy ones to knock out that, that we uh, that we've been looking at, but um, okay. so Sergeant Espinoza has been working, like Tiana said, with DLA, and DLA is actually doing a um, like fit testing uniforms with females, um, our current military uniform with females. So Sergeant Espinoza is getting in and making sure that the fire career field females are part of that fit. T- testing to make sure that the uniforms will be uh, more comfortable for us as well. So that's good. Yeah, to me, just thinking logically, right? If I were a, a leader in a fire department, you know, how often does a female come to your fire department? And, and logistically speaking, you know, how long do I keep something on the shelf kind of waiting for this? Fem- and how tall are they? Right. And all that, just like, I guess, a, a short person or a taller person or, a, you know, a wider person, right? Like how, how, how much do I keep on the shelf kind of waiting for this to happen? So that discussion came up and Master Espinoza is, is definitely identifying that piece as well, because she's been talking to, and we've been talking to airmen that come out of tech school asking, Hey, how are you sized in tech school? And the feedback that they get is basically there's a room full of bunker gear and they get handed sizes and put on whatever fits. And um, not all the bunker gear is the ricochet bunker gear, right? Not the same manufacturer. So when I call down to Airman so-and-so at tech school and say, hey, what bunker sizes are you? The sizes I get might not be the sizes for ricochet. So yes, that is an issue. And that's not just for female airmen. That's for all of our airmen across the board. Um, What sizes are they actually going to be? Because uh, um, at tech school, they're not sized over their chem gear, which we are supposed to be when we come here. And as a silver flag instructor, I saw that pain a lot when the uh, students would put their bunker gear over their mop gear and have uh, mm-hmm. bunker gear yoga pants. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I guess you just go up one size, right? I think a lot of the logistics guys do that. Yeah, just... just usually up one size. What about the culture? It, 
Is there anything that we need to change in the culture within our career field? And how do we do that? What's the best way to approach that? You know, change is tough. And maybe there's some out there that think that there's not an issue. You know, how do we expect to change a traditional fire service culture? So, yeah, that's our biggest issue is changing the culture. So for right now, what we are focusing on, like I said, Master Nespinoza on that education piece, um, we decided that we wanted to target the first line leadership up to the folks who attend the 427 course. So that uh, assistant chief level, um, we get the education out to that level and get the the difficult conversations and that sort of thing translated to that level. Um, we talked about adding it because we now we have the rookie book for the new air for the new firefighters. Sorry. And we have the rookie book for the new fire officers, maybe adding something into um, into those books, into that curriculum. So now somebody's going to be getting it. A firefighter is going to be getting it at the firefighter level. They're going to be getting it again at the fire officer level. They're going to be getting it again when they go to 427. So I think it's just going to take time. And um, it's, it's having those conversations, having people comfortable enough to ask those questions and understand. And I think having that safe space to ask those questions, like um, one of the, the biggest pieces that, that Darla is talking about is making, making it not weird. Right. I, I don't want to say it like that, but we just had an article come out last year about an all-female fire crew in Pasadena, California. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this all-female fire crew. No, they're all firefighters. Who cares if they're female? We just need to get past that wow factor. They're not the zoo animals that everybody's supposed to be looking at, you know? We're not the zebras. Um, we're just saying, hey, Mass Sergeant Shaw, she's an assistant chief. That shouldn't be weird. Right. You see assistant chiefs all the time. Who cares if it's a female or a male? You yeah, know? you want to normalize it. You want to normalize 100%. differences. Yeah. And so to me, that's where the cultural change, that's just what it has to come down to. I gotcha. It's just making it so that everybody sees it as common practice, just like you would treat everybody with kindness and respect. You would treat an assistant chief with kindness and respect. You would do the same thing if it was male or female. Certainly. And I think that's part of the big culture in the Air Force that we've been focusing on diversity. Um, So it's not just male, female. It is the... um, the race, the the gender, the all of the different um, diversity. It's it's everybody needs to be on an equal playing field, and everybody is in the military. I get paid the same as a master sergeant at fifteen years as the guy over in com master sergeant at fifteen years. You know, so that's that's a good thing. It's just a matter of moving that forward and, and understanding. Like I said, I've been in fifteen years, and I have been that zoo exhibit i have been that oh look there's a female let's put her out in front of the uh, pa pictures out in front of this out in front of that um and a lot of that is outside of our career field as well because when when you go outside the fire department people are like oh you're a firefighter like to me it's weird um i both of my parents were air force and they were both mechanics, age mechanics. So my mom was an age mechanic. I grew up not thinking that females couldn't do a job of any sort. So to me, it's really weird when I get, um, when I'm doing a tour and I've got this little kid and his mom's like, look, Timmy, 
she's a firefighter and you're like yeah we can drive race cars and work on airplanes too like why are you making it weird for your kid your kid doesn't know any different yeah even thinking outside of the air force or fire protection you know that's kind of a it's a it's an american cultural thing or even a western world cultural thing right like you know seeing females in these positions is just not something that you usually see and so yeah you kind of put put out in front that was one of the things I was just having a conversation with um, at the station yesterday. There is a deputy fire chief at one of our cities. Um, she's no problems. She's been there. She's doing the job. She's doing it amazing. However, DOD U.S. Air Force has one civilian female assistant chief. And so it's, like I said, just getting us in those positions or at least getting us the opportunities to get into leadership positions and that's all we're asking for you know like you said level playing field i can jump the hurdles just the same as anybody else do you think that females are voluntarily leaving the career field because of reasons beyond having a child I know that there is, we, we had feedback that there was a lot of people that didn't feel comfortable being in fire. Maybe it was the mentality that uh, is just held in, in fire. Chief Sandy Cooper, who was, she is um, the first Air Force fire chief in reserve command. And she came on in our summit and was talking and she had said that, and something nobody really realized, Air Force fire protection is a career field that you can be put into. So somebody wanted to go services, wanted to go security forces, wanted to go whatever. Open general. And they could, yeah, they open general, they would just get put into fire and they don't have that passion that most fire fighters have. And so we're forcing people into these positions where they may not want to be there. So that's, that's a big one off the bat is let's be honest. It, it, there is a sisterhood, a brotherhood, a family aspect to fire that some people just don't get and they don't want to. And that's totally fine. People like finance. I couldn't do it, but they do. That's fine. <laughs> but we shouldn't make somebody that is better in that aspect or wants to go that aspect come into Air Force Fire. So that was one of the big ones that was brought up um, to look into is maybe we should be more selective about who comes into fire. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that would be nice. That'd be nice <laughs> just at, at the enterprise level. And I think it's tough from a recruiting standpoint because, you know, it's a numbers game. Exactly. So we talked a little bit about it earlier. Are there plans or have you collaborated with any other male kind of dominate traditionally male career fields within the Air Force who experience similar issues? I know Sergeant Espinoza has um, has networked with a couple folks that are in different career fields. Um, myself, I've worked with a couple females that are EOD, um, one that's a security forces, um, and then CE, uh, CE ops, like plumber and, and stuff like that. Um, I've talked to those folks as well. And it's very, uh, very similar issues in each career field where we like to think we're special as firefighters, but um, these, these issues go across the board. I think it's just a little different for us because of our um, work schedules and then the, the 
fact that we spent most of our lifetime around our coworkers more so than our families. Right. Or at least an equal amount of time mm-hmm. at, at the very least. And I do know CE has just started their diversity talks. So um, CE is doing it on a broader level as well. Um, but for me, I know because my husband's EOD, I have tons of relationships with females in EOD. I know they're sharing the same experiences and they're going to be going to the new uh, physical fitness standards. And they are having a huge problem with not thinking about um, females and pregnancy and how that's going to affect the standard and everything like that. So they're asking, when are they going to start having the discussions like fire is, which is wow, <laughs> we're first to something <laughs> like good, yeah. good, right on, yeah, you know, cool. um, same with security forces, talking to security forces about it. But yeah, I think that seems to be going across, uh, air force right now. I have seen some stuff coming across DOD in general, um, that I, I, it needs to be addressed all the other services. Um, and one of the ways we're doing that right now So one of the big tickers that we are working on is FEMA put out a females in fire handbook last published in 1999. This handbook uh, was, is a great resource. However, (laughs) it never got to any of the departments across the air force. It isn't something that people know about. I've asked females. I had no idea about this handbook. And so we are currently redeveloping that handbook to be specific to Department of Defense, to U.S. Air Force. And we are hoping that once we get this figured out, we might be able to to hand that out to the other services as well. Just mm-hmm. have something. It, it, it is that it's that piece that can start off those awkward conversations. And the military is already already kind of a male dominated uh, arena. And now you're talking about fire protection. It's like, you know, making it to that. It, as you, as you were talking, I'm thinking like, this is almost recruiting is a big part of this, you know, uh, you know, how do we get more females to want to be, or want to come in, feel comfortable with coming into the military, first of all, and then feel comfortable with going into fire protection. But I'm sure, I'm sure you guys will get there or we as an air force will get there at some point, but it, it has to start somewhere. And you guys have certainly, certainly made a big dent, um, so I, I know that there's a lot of good people in this career field, you know, both male, female. I know that, and I'm confident that collectively, you know, people want things to be better, right? And, and want to bring about change that is good and it helps the organization grow. I'm, I'm confident about that. So what do you ladies think? Do you think that the future for females in fire protection, do you think it'll be better? Do you think that we're capable of change? You know, are things going to be better? We as a career field are very resistant to change. Firefighters don't like change in generally. However, um, just in my 15 years from when I first came in as an airman till now, um, there is a lot that is different and better um, for female firefighters and for firefighters in general. There's the, the leadership of our career field reaching out to us and saying, hey, Something needs to change. Let's find out what it is and let's figure out how to do it is huge. Having those chief master sergeants, that civilian chiefs come in and say, hey, guys, this isn't right. Let's change this. Because traditionally, we always see like the the old crusty folks that don't want change. And then then a new young generation wants want change. And there's always that back and forth. But now it seems that 
Um, there are people in all levels that are interested in improving, making our career field more diverse and more welcoming and more comfortable for everybody to be a part of. I will say that as a civilian, when I was military, uh, change came about a little bit easier. Um, a lot more people's eyes were on it. You have a career that was 20 years to 30 years versus somebody that can be there forever. And our civilians, we still have a lot of people that have outdated thoughts um, or they're not as progressive with their thoughts as they could be. So I think military wise, we're doing a great job. I think we could be doing better on the civilian side of things. But as we age, I think it's phasing out as well. Um, the normalcy is becoming okay. The people that may have grown up in the um, open cabs, open bays, shared stalls, uh, shared bathroom stalls, that is going away. So they're not remembering those. And they're now seeing, okay, male and female bathrooms, single, uh, single bunk rooms, things of that nature. And I think that is a huge part of what's going to be better for fire in general is, you know, we can tell stories and we can think about the old times and there are some great traditions in fire that we do not want to touch. You know, never would I ever have come into a fire department and said, you guys have to stop talking in this certain way because I'm here now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be different. We don't want to be seen as different. We just want to come in and be seen as equal. And if that means the guy gets a bunk room and I get a bunk room, cool. You know, I'm not trying to look for the bigger, better one. We all should just have the same things. Yeah. We'll just be respectful to everybody, regardless of who they are or whatever. You know, that means, you know, kind of watching what you say. I don't think that, that yeah. there's, that's not. Parenting uh, 101. Yeah, it's not an unreasonable <laughs> expectation, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a female or male or whoever. Um, and change, uh, I guess, historically speaking, you know, you have to have patience with change too. Uh, I know a lot of people want things to just change right now. Things are bad for this particular group of people or w for this person. And we got to change it overnight. You know, it just doesn't happen that way because you have to convince everybody that there's room for improvement, I guess is the right word to say. So, but uh, I'm confident that just like you said, I mean, back in the day, open bays, well, first of all, females were probably never in the fire service. And then at some point they came in and, you know, and we had open bays and now they have their own bunk rooms and they shared the same bathrooms and now they have the separate. So things are changing and now we're getting after the gear. We're getting after hair, getting after a few other things. But so uh, what would you, what advice would you get, would you give to females wanting to become a firefighter or to come into the air force as a firefighter? So that was one of the things um, that was brought up in our um, conversations that we had back in September with all the different airmen that signed on. And they're the first time that they're able to speak to someone that's been in the fire service for five, 10, 15, 30 years or so, you know, um, Easy. Hey, Hey, Easy. what do, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what What's... you're insinuating. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they want to know like, Hey, how do I make this better? How do I, how do I become more comfortable? Hey, I've got a problem with something. Um, so the advice that we old folks gave them was that you need to be, 
you need to understand um, what's okay, what's not okay. And if something is not okay, you need to, to say that it's not okay. And you need to go to somebody and tell them, hey, this happened, it's not okay. And if they don't do something about it, you need to be able to move to someone else until you get the answer for that not being okay, whatever that might be. Um, because a lot of a lot of us, and I, I was the same way as a young airman, we come in and we feel like I don't want to do anything to disturb anyone, to, to you know, to, to stir things up. I don't want to disturb anybody. Um, but if something's wrong, you need to, to be able to have that inner strength to have that confidence to, to say, Hey, no, this isn't okay. Same with, you need to have that confidence to know that you got through that fire school, that fire Academy, you're a firefighter. So is everybody else here. That means everybody is the same. We are all firefighters and be comfortable and confident in that because that's comes difficult to some people. It takes courage, you know, and I just, as you were talking about that, I thought about, you know, females that have come before us that it maybe have served through the seventies, eighties or before that. And the things that, you know, if, if they were to speak up with something that they, you know, that it may have not turned out well for them, you know, and, uh, but unfortunately that sometimes that's what it takes to, to, to affect change. And we're trying uh, to make it okay for the female needs to be responsible for the actions that are taken upon her. So speak up. If you feel uncomfortable, no one will be able to know that you're uncomfortable unless you say it. So first things first is you need to be able to tell somebody that that was not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the same note, we need those NCOs and those peers that may have been in that same room, seeing that same situation to have the courage to step up and say the same thing. Like, Hey, that wasn't okay. Or pull somebody off to the side and be like, I, I saw the reaction that she may have had. And I don't think that went well. You might want to check with her. Somebody might want to check on the situation and see what happened. Or maybe I caught a piece of it and I have a misunderstanding, but culturally we all need to be responsible for the people that are at our left and at our right. Certainly. Yeah. Just because just like a- I may not be able to advocate for myself out of fear for whatever reason. Right. I would like to know that my brother would advocate for me. Yeah. Certainly if you're lower ranking too, and that goes for anybody, you know, as a leader, you should fight for your people if it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And, and even if it's at the risk of you losing a position or potentially not being promoted or whatever, because it's the right thing to do. And it's not about you as an individual, but it's about the team and the people for which you're um, entrusted with leading. So last point I'd like to speak on is what are some takeaways for people like myself, the males within the career field? I think that females may be biologically different, but we don't want to be seen as different in the career field. Please don't think that we need to be treated more tenderly or that we need to be treated with kit gloves. Um, Be treat everyone with respect, whomever that is the same way and be a good person. So if you're in a room with somebody and you see them having trouble, whether that's a new airman struggling with using a Pryax you would want to help them the same way as, as, as a guy that's been in or a firefighter that's been in for eight, 10 years that may be doing the wrong thing. Uh, it's, we're not asking for any special treatment. 
We're just asking for respectful treatment. Certainly. Darla, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this goes out to, to not just the males in the career field, but everybody in the career field is be kind to each other. Understand that everybody is different, but we're all firefighters. We're all part of the family. I know it sounds cheesy, but like I said before, we spend at least half of our lives with the, the folks that we work with. And it's different. We live with them. We eat dinner with them. We work out with them, you know. So treat everybody with respect and, and get to know your people and know the, the, the different situations that might be going on in their lives, you know, whether that be a male or a female. And by knowing what's going on in your, your people's lives, you can keep an eye on the, the, guy, the girl on your left, the guy on your right, whatever's going on and, and stand up for them and do the right thing. Yeah, sound advice. So if anybody out there is interested in becoming involved with this initiative, what can they do? So we do have the Facebook group that they can be involved in. Um, Facebook, the Facebook page is open for females. Uh, and there are a couple questions that are asked in order for you to be a part of it. Um, but I think a great way would be to either reach out to myself, which is Tiana Bykowski, tiana.bykowski at us.af.mil. Um, I know I'm on the global as well as Master Sergeant Darlis Kashaw. She's on the global and Master Sergeant Vanessa Espinosa. Uh, we are all here to answer any questions. Uh, because we are doing the handbook, we are doing a strategic plan. We're going to develop a strategic plan for females in fire for the Air Force. We're going to be doing that next month. Uh, once we get those things in place, we will have a better direction and those different subcategory working groups that we would love to plug people in to start working on things with us. Awesome. Well, yeah, like I, like I said in the beginning, I really appreciate you guys agreeing to come on and, and talk about this. And, you know, it sounds like a great initiative and, and, you know, you guys are in the infancy of it, but it's already kind of affecting change. And I, you know, I appreciate you coming on to share. And uh, are there any final thoughts that each of you'd like to share? Thanks for having us on. Thanks for listening. And uh, like like Tiana said, if anybody has any questions, please reach out to us via email or the Facebook page. We'll be happy to, to answer. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. And we enjoy spreading the word. So please feel free to have us back anytime you'd like. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was my pleasure. You guys take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more commentary articles and episodes just like this regularly posted on our new website at firedog.us. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast and on Instagram at the Fire Dog Podcast. That is the Fire D-A-W-G Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow to stay plugged into every episode and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this episode. Lastly, we'd love if you shared this podcast with your friends and coworkers, either on social media or at the firehouse. This is Matt Wilson with guests Tiana Bykowski and Darla Shaw. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>